Hello, welcome. It's Tea Time History Live with me, Philippa Lacey Brawl. Um, today, I'm going to tell you about, I've been to quite a few places between we are, between the last time we were together. So I will let you know about some of those. We're going to go with books last week. We're going to do some traveling this week. So I hope that's okay with you. Uh, my name is Philippa Lacey Brawl and um, yeah, I'm here every week at this time. So thank you so much for joining me live. I'm streaming on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you also if you are joining on the catch up on any of those platforms. You might also be listening on the podcast, which is just British history. Um, yes, Becky, sorry, I was a little bit late. I'm a little bit late because there was a fly buzzing around and it was going to drive me crazy. So um, the Hereford Cathedral guidebook came in for a secondary purpose and uh, dispatched it uh, most effectively. So, um, yeah, anyway, so I hope you're all well. Um, there's a few things going on. So I'm going to tell you about my travels and then we've got some cool stuff as well, which is going to be available to you um, soon. So let's get on with it. So thank you so much as well for um for all your support. Thank you for being here live. Thank you if you are, um, uh, you can buy me badges on Instagram, stars on Facebook and uh, super chats on YouTube. But as usual, you know what I would love you to do. Many of you have done it and that is come along and be a patron. So I am over also on patreon.com forward slash British history. And this week um, I have been sharing some of my extra bits and bobs from my travels which I will tell you um, a bit about now. So I actually, when I totted up how many things I've been doing since we last were together last week, um, it's quite a lot. But there's a couple of places that, well, no, three actually, uh, that I want to talk to you about today. The first one is Hereford Cathedral, um, but specifically the Map of Mundi. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about that. Um you can also, uh, sorry, I'm just looking how many people are at work and stuff. Ali, hello, at work. Um, and I'll go, Beverly and Becky, um, you're joining us on YouTube. Thank you to everyone else who's joining on Instagram. It's flying up the screen. So thank you so much, though. I am noticing you here. Thank you so much for joining live. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we'll talk about the Map of Monday a little bit, Map of Monday a little bit. I will talk about my trip to Cleve Abbey again I went to Cleve Abbey so I won't bore you too much with too much detail of it but I will point you in the direction of both of those places actually where I have done more in-depth videos um, or just extra info and then yesterday a bit of a um, spontaneous trip to Worcester which is um which is only uh, about half an hour away from me. So it is a favourite place for me if I have a couple of hours to grab and go and do some um, travelling, which, of course, is is my is what I love. Um, Lottie Rose, thank you so much for the badge. Much, much appreciated. Lottie Rose has bought me a badge on Instagram. Thank you very, very much. Um, so, yeah, so Worcester. Uh, I went specifically to look at a place called Greyfriars, which you may have seen on my Instagram story. I've posted some pictures uh, of, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Greyfriars particularly. However, what I would like to do today is just 
talk about Worcester itself, um, my uh, it, my research into Worcester, my reading upon Worcester, should I say, is in progress because it is now this this happens with all sorts of history, uh, every bit of history, actually, um, as you will probably know, the more you read, the more you realise there is to know and therefore the more you don't know. <laughs> so um, so it's not going to be by any means a exhaustive history of Worcester. However, I do want to illustrate just what a fantastic place it is so that if you are in the area ever, you're planning a trip um, to the UK and you want to go to some places that are just fabulous but may not be um, as obvious, I would like to persuade you to put Worcester onto your itinerary. And so I will tell you, I will tell you more and I will tell you why. So um, like I said, last week we were doing books. If you missed last week, I went through 15, I think it was a bonus uh, extra wasn't there as well, books that I would recommend. And I went through why. Um, and they are all on the long list for Book Club 2024. So the voting is open for whittling that choice of, from 15 down to five. We may fit six in. I'm looking at the dates at the moment as to how many uh, meetings we can fit in. But uh, so if you're interested in your next read, like I was saying, um, books are an investment. They cost you money. And so it's, I think, useful to have a bit of an insight into what the book's about before you decide to buy it. The other reason is, and I know most of you are like me, that you buy way more books and you're probably going to be able to read in the time scale before you buy more. <laughs> so let's let's get focused, people. I'm talking to myself here um, and, and, and decide what we're going to read. I think I have, I have four books on the go at the moment. Yeah. So um, there you go. Um, anyway, so that was last week. If you would like to um, be in book club and uh, you have still got a few weeks to join and put your um, choices in my lifetime, Becca. Yeah, true. Me too. Um, if you would like to be able to vote on which books we, we do next year, you've still got time. So you can join book club at patreon.com forward slash British history and we meet via a Zoom call every eight weeks or so to discuss a book. The next meeting is the 12th of November. They're always on a Sunday evening for me, um, trying to fit time in for people because we're from all over the world. And our next book is The Sisters Who Would Be Queen by Leander Delisle. And it's the story of the Grey Sisters, um, Jane, Catherine and Mary who were all in the um, the line of succession for Elizabeth I, after Elizabeth I, and um, Elizabeth, well, it's, it, it's very interesting. I was about to say, Elizabeth systematically um, got rid of all of the, uh, the her heirs. Now, not Jane, obviously, uh, Mary saw to that, but uh, the other two sisters, um and it but of course there's a lot of lot of detail, a lot of nuance around that story. And in Leander Delisle covers that in her book, The Sisters Who Would Be Queen. 
so that is our next, that's our current read and our next meeting. So 12th of November, if you would like to join book club, we would be very excited to have you there. It's, it's lovely. We get to see each other every eight weeks. Doesn't matter that we're all over the world. Uh, and if you can't make the, uh, the meeting, then um, we record it. Uh, as far as uh, as long as everyone in the meeting is happy with that we record it and you can watch it back afterwards but anyway there's also the, the voting open for next year's books okay so anyway that was last week you can re-watch that if you're after your next read but this week yeah I wanted to talk more about traveling um so I'm going to come back to Worcester because like I said I think um I'm going to tell you more about Worcester and Greyfriars where I went uh, yesterday um and why I well, no, why I think you should pop it on your itinerary. But the first place I went, I went last Thursday to Hereford. Uh, Hereford is um, it's really close to the uh, the Welsh border, so even closer from where I am now. Not that you know where I am now, um, but it's 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 further in. So it takes me about an hour to get there, um, and. The theatre itself is interesting, but that's not what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the Map of Mundi. And I will touch also on the Chained Library there. I shared some photographs of it. I'll share some more, actually, I think, because I put them on my story. So I will put them on my um, on my Instagram um, and Facebook feed, my pages, so you can actually see it. But the um, the... And let's start with the chain library because that's possibly the um the the more simple but it's, it's it's a very exciting place apparently it um so apparently jk rowling did visit hereford cathedral and took as inspiration for the hogwarts library from took inspiration for the hogwarts library from the chained library at hereford um now i don't think it's the only chain library i've seen others um around but it's um it's 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 very interesting for a few reasons one it looks beautiful you have big um you just have all these books and they're all turned spine side in so you you will see from my photographs you just have the the, the you know the paper side what do you call the other side of the book anyway not the spine side and so you can't tell what the books are so on the end of every custom-made case, there is a list of what is in there. And there are some very old books. Now, these are ones that you can still, if you wish um, to, to look at, you can contact the librarian and they will get the book out for you and you can see it. Um, and... There's all sorts of interesting um, uh, pieces in there. There's a few, uh, there's a lot of classics actually, which I find very interesting because, um, you, you know, if we're thinking about someone like Henry VIII or Elizabeth I, they were, they would have, they would have known their, their like, Greek myth and, and, and things like that. They would have, they would also have, um, um, known oh what was I going to say then <laughs> I was just completely lost my thought yes spine side in that's right Becca yeah so they're spine side in um uh 
sorry, they're philosophers. That's what I was saying. So there's, there's Cicero in there and, and, and other ones are there. So you can still, you can't go in and take the book down, but if you wanted to request a book, you can. But anyway, there's this list of what, what's, it, what's there. And they're all chained in. And the chains allow the book to have been taken off the shelf and read on the reading desk underneath each of the shelves. And um, so presumably so they can't be stolen. I mean, books are, I've just, I've just said about our reading list, you know, books cost money, they do. But I mean, compared to, um, compared to even 100, 200 years ago, they, you know, we, we, we can get them relatively cheap. So um, they're incredibly valuable. Uh, and they're spine side in to protect them from to protect the spine from being for the book whether it's been pulled off the shelf loosening the spine and so you do have this catalog on the end of each of the um that's all right Jenna I'm just talking about the chained library at Hereford so uh so the books are spine side in to protect them to protect the spine from being pulled off the shelf all the time so you have the list on the end of each row. I will share some more photographs, like, 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 I, I promise, um, so you, you'll know what I'm talking about. The um, So you have the list anyway, but that wasn't good enough for some people who uh, wanted to be able to find their book quicker and easier because each list had a location for where the book is. So in theory, you could just go and pick your book off the shelf. Um so they had written, some of them have writing on the paper side. This is obviously a small book, but if you can imagine if I'd written on, on the paper um, to, to show what the book is. So, but yeah, so it, it's, it's a really, it doesn't take you very long to go in and have a look around, but having a look at the lists, I'll share, the, I took a picture of some of the lists, so you'll see what sort of books are in there. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying books are cheap now, but they're like relatively accessible compared. But yeah, absolutely. So, so and and the idea that the chain library as well inspired J.K. Rowling, I think, is quite exciting. But to get to the chain library, you go through a, uh, a sort of dimly lit room that houses the Mappamundi. Now, the Mappamundi is a 13th century representation of the world drawn or created by the monks at Hereford. And it is a curious mix of topography, um, biblical scenes, heaven, hell, mythology, characters from Hereford, um characters or animals um that they have the monks would have heard about but perhaps not seen and you can tell that from the way they depict some of the things you saw this actually if you if you watched my video about the Worcester archives you see where monks have um created pictures of um animals that they haven't seen such as elephants have a long nose so their long nose might be really really long it's sort of little details but you can tell that it's because they haven't seen them in person um the 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 map is created or is is drawn on vellum vellum is treated calf skin and the it, it it is thought that the calf was actually bred for the job and you can see it's one complete calf skin 
and the, the I say you can see it um, just due to the shape. So if you can imagine a square with a triangle on top, that's the shape of the of the Mappamundi. And so this was this was clearly something planned and 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 executed beautifully in a storeroom. And it was a journalist, and I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Um, but in a storeroom, uh, was they, they discovered after this journalist said there must have been something that the map was contained in. They found um, what would have been sort of a, a, a frame, but with doors on the front. The doors had long gone, but the frame was the exact size of the map, and. Um, it actually has holes in it where a compass or such like would have been used. Jerusalem is in the absolute centre of the map, of course. Um, um, you get England in the bottom left-hand side, Hereford, of course, featuring on there because, um, because that's where the monks are who are creating it. Uh, you've got places like Worcester, which we'll come back to because Worcester was already an established um, Cathedral, um, we would have had, I don't know if Wollstone and Oswald would have been made saints by them, but anyway, they, they, it's a significant part. Um, and anyway, so you have, you have um, certain important places in, in England set out, but, but Jerusalem, you have the labyrinth, so you have, um, it is, I mean, I could go on and on and on because it is, incredibly uh detailed um you have odd so you have things like noah's ark is on there um um you have like i said jerusalem in the middle um there's a mermaid and interestingly um oh globe in italian is mappamundi mappamondo yes so mappamundi map of the world absolutely that's right thank you yeah, Danny, yeah, exactly, map of the world. Um, and, uh, sorry, the mermaids. There's a mermaid, and usually mermaids, uh, the lady who I was talking to there um, pointed this out, normally mermaids are depicted, um, if they have a mirror, looking into the mirror themselves. This mermaid is, it's fairly central to the map, is pointing the mirror out as if, look at yourself, look into yourself, look at yourself, what do you see, what you know, what do you need to reflect on? Which I thought was uh, quite stunning. There are some funny things, um, funny items. There's a man who uh, most definitely looks like he's wearing a bobble hat and he's on skis. That's another thing that one of the ladies pointed out to me. And once you see it, you're like, it is, it's a man, in a, a man in a bobble hat on skis. So how's that? Well, maybe they were making bobble hats in Scandinavia in the uh in the 1200s there also is um a golden fleece and i can't remember where the yeah, on the map it's supposed to be depicting it but it's somewhere in the middle east and somewhere in, sort of around the holy land and someone came this this is this is golden because um when people come with their own knowledge of something it adds it was always something to learn there's always something to add especially something like the map of Monday, which they fully admit they don't know everything that you know is is 
um, all the meanings of everything contained in there. Um, anyway, the, so there's a, fl a fleece, and you know, so we heard of the golden fleece, but the um, the uh, practice in that area of the world when sifting for gold was to use a fleece, a golden fleece, therefore. Um, and this was something this, this lady brought in, um, just as knowledge of, of that part of the world from herself. Um, there's also, um, they think, um, a, there was a bishop called Thomas who became St. Thomas, and they think he is um, depicted in the map of Monday as well because he would have been the, um, the bishop at the time. And, um, and he actually has a shrine at Hereford Cathedral, pilgrims used to go to see his shrine, and that the Mappamundi may well have been um, created to to be displayed next to the shrine, next to his shrine. So it was all this is this is what I'm saying. It's planned. The calf is is um, bred um, because you know there's there's this the there's, skin. It's a complete skin from this calf. So no nicks, no um, scratches from where they've got into bushes or, you know, I don't know, whatever cattle managed to do. Um, was there a relic at the shrine? I think I think he was buried there. St. Thomas was buried there. Um, and um, there's a link, or he, he sort of links himself to um, to St. Thomas Beckett, but he was, he was much, much later. Um, his name, oh yes, it reminds me of Fred Mellon. His name was Thomas Cantaloupe. Um and uh, and and yeah, so he was uh, he was he was buried there. Um and yeah, and that maybe the 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 uh Mappaman date was supposed to be displayed next to his uh next to his shrine. So that that's that's a a fun place now if you want to see more about hereford cathedral and um i've shared some I've basically done a small a short virtual tour which you can see on youtube um and i released that just the other day so that was originally in patreon um so if you're in patreon the, all the exclusive stuff is exclusive for at least 12 months and then sometimes i um i release it <laughs> hmm. So that was the map of Monday. I've also been down to Somerset uh, over the weekend. I've, I've, come, I've, I've been travelling quite a lot. I was thinking, why am I so tired? Now I know. Um, I just looked back over what I've been up to. And I went to Cleve Abbey. Now, I, I have covered Cleve Abbey quite a lot, I know. So I um, I won't go on too much because I also I want to share about Worcester with you. But Cleve Abbey is one of the best preserved um, monastic ruins in the country. The, um, it, it was a Cistercian Abbey and it was founded in, I don't know the exact year, but it was the late 12th century um, with, with land granted to it and uh, monks who came from Reeves, Reevesby Abbey in Lincolnshire. And this was how a lot of monasteries were set up. Um, monks would come from another abbey. And initially, that was abbeys that were on the continent. But anyway, by the time this one um, was being, by the time Cleve Abbey was being 
established, there were already other mother houses, called mother houses in the country. And so the, the monks came from Reesby Abbey. Um, and the Cistercian monks are, um, uh, they're supposed to, well, they did for many centuries live in kind of the poverty, um, uh, in poverty, in, um, they would eat in silence, they would do all this. But you can see over time how things uh, changed a little and the luxury level hmm, went up a bit, improved. But there is an incredible gatehouse you can walk through. So the reason it's 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 so exciting is you have a gatehouse you can still walk through. You have a refectory where the monks ate. Actually, Worcester has that's one also. But anyway, uh, a refectory where the where the monks ate. That was a part of a rebuilding um, that happened um, in the late fifteenth into the early 16th century but the refectory from the the original refectory floor still exists and happens to have been uncovered and now is protected so you can see uh, all the original tiling but this is a scriptorium still um still there there is uh, and this is the most exciting part i think there's still a dormitory actually this is the most exciting part there's also um, there's also the rooms where the um, oh I can never remember the name of people who basically they they would uh, no it's gonna it's gone again um, they would uh, basically pay to live out their lives at the monastery and the rooms there's three um, two or three that still exist that you can go and have a little look in. And they have their own toilet or garderobe. Um, and they have a room with a fireplace and a room that was uh, probably a bedroom. There's the day stairs still up into the monk's dormitory. And from the monk's dormitory, there is still the door, although there's nothing behind it, which would have led directly into the church where... They would have gone for, uh, for all, obviously all the um, all the services, but at night for the night prayers, they would have gone through the night door, down the night stairs, straight into the church. The church, unfortunately, no longer exists. But this is what we have with uh, monasteries that when they were when they were um, uh, suppressed, when they were dissolved during the late fifteen thirties. They, um, if they had a use, then they could be preserved in some way. So sometimes you get the church being um, created into a parish church like Tewkesbury or into a cathedral like Gloucester, or you get the opposite and the church goes, but the buildings remain because it becomes private um, a private property, it might become farmhouses, whatever it is at Cleve, it became, um, I think a mixture, I think it basically became farmhouses. Um, so, so, it, so it remained. Now, obviously, it's gone through a few iterations. The floor in the rooms I was talking about, um, oh, what are they called? Why can I never remain, remember it? The, um, Car, 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 because it was there, I'm sure. 
um, basically these sort of pensioners, if you like, rooms. And um, on the floor in there is the uh, it's, it's sort of cobbles because, of course, it was, at one point it was used as a stable. They say, of course, um, that you know, this is the fate of, of many buildings uh, like this. So, um, it, again, so in um, Patreon, I've posted some photographs um, from my visit so you can see. Um, so if you're interested and you're not in my Patreon, um, it's five pounds a month. So and I do I try and put in um, a, a lot, not to be overwhelming, but enough to keep you occupied. And uh, that's at patreon.com forward slash British history. So um, uh, in the um, I was going to say in the refectory uh, that the there's evidence as well of where I said they, they would cistercian monks would eat in silence there's evidence of where there's a little staircase to a um a sort of hole in the wall which is now gone because there's a fireplace been put in subsequently where one of the monks would read from from the chapter book while they were eating um so there's still the staircase but unfortunately not the uh, not the not the hole in the wall but also in that room there was a um a big uh painting of, of jesus um on the cross which unfortunately wasn't preserved and has and has since there's, there's no trace of it you can't see it um but at um i shared last year at worcester cathedral in the room, I think there's someone um, who went to the school there. It's used now as the school's dining room. This is King's uh, King School, I think it is next door to Worcester Cathedral, and they still use the uh, the refectory as their um, as their refectory as their dining room, and they ha they they still have um, Christ looking over them while they're while they're eating their lunch, which is fabulous. But at Cleve. There was this painting, but unfortunately that has long gone. But there is a painting still in what was possibly the at the room the abbot would have eaten in, um, which is much, much better preserved, which, again, I've shared a photo of. Now, it, Cleve Abbey gets a mention in uh, James Clark's book about the dissolution of the monasteries for a few reasons, but one of the reasons is there is a... Just in a corridor, the corridor to the refectory, there is a cartoon of a monk that must have been drawn by a monk. And it 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 literally looks like it could be it could have been drawn within the past couple of years. Sort of the, it has a big bulbous nose and his and his um and his uh to call it with the with, with his hair and his little ball patch. Um it's really, it's really fun. If I can dig out the photo of that, I will share that because that's really fun. But there you go. So there's two places I've been. I don't know. Cleve Abbey is, um, it is uh, North Somerset uh, as you're going in your way to Devon. So it can feel like it's quite out of the way. And Cleve, you can drive through easily and, and not realise. But it's definitely worth having a look around there because you can do Cleve Abbey and then you can do Dunster Castle, which is a castle stood there since the Norman Conquest. Um, it's quite a bit to do. So anyway, I had a nice weekend down there. Yesterday, yesterday, uh, well, before I get on to Worcester, let me just tell you of a couple of things that are coming up, actually. This Sunday, 
um, my interview with Nicola Tallis about Margaret Beaufort will go live in Patreon. So again, if you remember Patreon, you'll get that this week. Everyone else, you will uh, get that next week. The podcast, though, um, version of that will go live to paying members of my Substack. I haven't mentioned Substack yet, but I do have a Substack. That's basically my free newsletter. But if you uh, if you upgrade and pay, then you get um, a blog when I do it and you get early access to the in, uh, historian interviews on the podcast. But anyway, so that will go live this Sunday and for everyone else next Sunday. It's a fascinating chat with Nicola about the matriarch of the Tudor dynasty. But we dig into, because this is what Nicola's book does, we dig into really what she was, what she was really like. So I've titled it Power Hungry and Pious because that's what we're told about Margaret. Oh, she she had her eye on the throne for her son from the get-go. Um, so she's incredibly serious. She's incredibly um, uh, ambitious. And, as, and that, this is how she's depicted in um, popular culture, but possibly... Anyway, in history books, um, it doesn't help that a portrait that we have of her is pretty pious looking as well, isn't it? Her in prayer with a wimple on. And um, the real story of Margaret is so much more nuanced and multifaceted than that. So I go into that, or Nicola goes into that, as to some um, questions about things that particularly interest me and if you're a member of Patreon of course you've got to ask your own questions and those um Nicola's answers to those will be available on on your um your version of it so yeah so that's this Sunday everyone um I said that oh and I have an announcement because Nicola will be joining the Rise of the Tudors tour next September she is coming to speak to us about Margaret about Margaret's role in in that in that rise of the Tudors, the, the creation of them as a dynasty, but also the holding on to it. So, um, so she will be um, she will be speaking at uh, the rise of the Tudors next year. So that there's three spaces left. So if you want to do that tour, please please do. We're, we're please do get in touch soon. We're visiting uh, Pembroke Castle. Uh, which is the birthplace. It's where Margaret gave birth to Henry VII. Uh, we're, we're visiting Raglan Castle, which is where Henry VII was uh, brought up by William Herbert, his, his ward. And, uh, and Margaret actually did visit there um, for a, um, a uh, upcoming, uh, sorry, for a, um, what was we talking about? For, I think it's one or two weeks. Um, and where else are we going? We're going to Winchester, which is where Arthur Tudor was born. Uh, it's also where Mar uh, Mary the first marries um, Philip um, of Spain. We're going to Winchester. We will also be going to Ludlow Castle, which is where Arthur took up his seat as um, Prince of Wales. Uh, also, Mary goes there. So Mary's, Mary's there, so I'm following the footsteps of a few of them. And then we will be going to Worcester Cathedral. 
So this this nicely ties me into Worcester, actually. I didn't realise. I didn't think this through. But um, Worcester Cathedral is where Arthur is buried. So I'll come back to that in a minute as well. And also where Elizabeth visited. Elizabeth first visited there in 1575. So that's nice and rounded off. Um, and Nicola will be part of that tour. We also have Nathan Eamon um, joining us. Julian Humphreys and Gareth Russell is our tour historian. So Gareth will be with us for the entire time, which is going to be, it always is, fabulous. Him, he answers your questions all all the time. We have history discussions all the time. If you if you're somewhere, if you if when you talk about history, your friends and family glaze over, then um, come on one of my tours because uh, that won't happen. We just keep talking. We just keep going. Um, yeah. So yesterday I went to Worcester. Like I say, it's only about half an hour away from me, so it's a great place for me to pop to when I am. Um, got a few hours i've got i've got the travel bug this week clearly i'm actually off tomorrow as well down to do something so um uh, follow me and i will if you're not following me already hopefully you already are but anyway have a look on my story i'll be sharing where i'm going tomorrow um but yesterday yeah i i so i went to a place called Greyfriars on a street called friar street so start to get the uh, impression there is uh, a lot of monasteries going on around here now Worcester did have apparently um a number of mon monasteries uh however the name for the house which is called Greyfriars which I don't know where my book's gone for it it look it is a Tudor merchant house so it's your, it's what you would imagine if I say it's a Tudor house, uh, wood frame, wattle and daub, um, now painted white and black. Thank you to the Victorians. Would have been completely whitewashed um, in in the time that it was was built, and it was erroneously called Greyfriars um, uh, a few centuries later when. Um, so one assumed that it must have been a um, part of part of a monastery, and it, it wasn't. So anyway, uh, so I went to went there. Now it was built by a man called Thomas Green, and it was built um, in. Well, I've seen two dates actually. It was built toward the end of the fourteen or fourteen eighties or fourteen nineties. So the end, very end of the fifteenth century. Now, of course, this is when. 1485 where the Battle of Bosworth and Henry VII comes to the throne. It's 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 been a period of well, what am I going to say? In the 15th century, it, it, the, we've got the Wars of the Roses. Now, actually, by 1485, I'm wondering whether it's feeling a little bit more peaceful to the everyday person. Um, they have Richard III on the throne. Now we know. Because we're looking back, we know on in history that there's there's all this stuff going on about did Richard kill his um, nephews? Where has that? Where has Edward, uh, the child king, gone? Um, where has his younger brother, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Um, but no one knows that Henry Henry Tudor is uh, going to be landing at Milford Haven and and trying to topple Richard. Anyway. So this is what I'm thinking that they're actually there's they're feeling like meh, well you know it's it's been a few years now um, we are because it, the the Battle of Tewkesbury 
which 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 I was going to say killed off the Lancastrian line. It literally and yeah, it literally did um, because Edward, Prince of Wales, Henry the Sixth son was killed at the battle soon after the battle, and um, and then after that, Henry the Sixth dies of a broken heart in the Tower of London. So the Lancaster line uh, at that point is seen to have gone. It is seen to have been extinguished. And you have Edward IV on the throne. He is young, healthy. Well, anyway, he pops his clogs a little bit early uh, at the age of 40. And that's when we have his, his younger brother, Richard, take over the throne from... Um, well, anyway, that's a bit of a, that's that's more of the story than I was going to uh, trying to uh, go, go through today. But anyway, Richard III becomes king. Who knows what happens to Edward V? Um, and but like I say, to the everyday sort of man in the street, does it feel a bit more peaceful? Possibly. Uh, now, Greyfriars in Worcester is a, is a um, is a tangible uh, physical outcome of that new uh confidence in in peace and so thomas green he's a merchant this also shows the ability for people to start making money who aren't nobility they are trading uh, the trade in wool and sheep is 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 um is very profitable uh worcester is it's on the River Severn, so it has great transport links, and it's near to the Worcester, uh, near, excuse me, to the Welsh border, where um, uh, Wales was great for producing good sheep and good quality fleeces. Um, and Thomas Green makes a lot of money, and he builds his his um, house. And the uh, you can actually uh, again, I'll, I'll share some photos. This you can still see his initials on the uh on the the carved wood in the gateway um and 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 and, and his shield now the house itself has gone through many iterations but it's practically it, it's it's practically the same as it was the street in fact that it's on is um is is fairly unchanged other than the there's a paved road but the buildings are pretty much as they were, which is so. It's a great street to go and just have a little walk down, let your Im imagination run run riot. But it was nothing to do with a Greyfriars. It was nothing to do with a monastery. It was erroneously uh, attributed, and the name stuck. But it does show that there was a confidence around the end of the fifteenth century to build. Well, one to make money to trade, so people were getting rich, and there, and then to to be able to to build. Worcester was actually a uh, has a very long history, not necessarily of being a city, but its its um, location on the River Severn was quite key. So when the Romans came, they um, they uh, there's a few things that the the Romans would look for. A river, preferably tidal so they can cross it, but also navigable to the sea or to, yeah, to the sea um, and to elsewhere. The uh, So they can trade, so they can move 
troops around, so they can move things around, uh, and hills, so that when those tidal rivers are up, their if important buildings are out of the water. So th those those are those are the, the might be other things, but they're the main things: a, a, a river, tidal river, and um, hills. So you'll see that wherever the Romans decide to um, to put down. And when when the Romans came, they did. Um, so this is their second um, invasion, not the Julius Caesar one, the one later. Uh, I'm learning about Roman <laughs> Britain as well, so I can't quite remember the the, uh, the uh, years. But anyway, forgive me. They found an Iron Age settlement already there, and just added to it. Really, they added roads. So Worcester is um, uh, not far from a place called uh, Droitwich, which I have. I have this delightful, I love it anyway, Roman uh, map of Britain. It's an ordnance survey map. <laughs> so it has it has all the modern, it has the modern map and it has Roman Britain on top of it. So you have, now Worcester, they don't really know the name of it. So you have Worcester here with a question mark, uh, the, the name Virtus underneath and a question mark. And here is Droitwich. And it's called Selenae, if that's how you pronounce it, S-A-L-I-N-A-E, salt. You can get salt there. And so that's very important. And then I've covered uh, Roxeter in the past. That is up here. So it's, 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 it's well linked. So if you go further south, you get to um, Gloucester, Gleavon, another major uh, Roman city. And then if you head off into Wales, you get to Carlion. I was calling Care Leon. But anyway, I've now heard it. I think it's Carlion. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Worcester's not a big town, uh, but it becomes it becomes strategically important. And um, I've also mentioned in the past, I'm trying to think whether I've done this in the Worcester Treasures Part 1. I went to, I was very lucky, I went to Worcester Cathedral Archives, Library and Archives, and I've done a part one. There is a part two to come, I promise. I've promised part two for a very long time, but it will be coming. Now, I can't remember if the Viking skin is in part one. If it's not, I will cover it in part two. There's two stories I've heard about the Viking skin. And this is supposed to be a skin that was, if you're eating, here's a warning, stop eating, or just mute me for a minute. Um of a, a Viking who was flayed and um, it's like Game of Thrones, isn't it? Um, and his skin uh, uh, nails to the cathedral door. There's two stories I'd heard. I See which one you prefer. The first one, this is the original one that I'd heard, was that after Vic another Viking raid, remember they're on the river, so Worcester's on the river, and after another Viking raid, the... Um, the uh, population are beside themselves they've hidden but they are very angry and um, they come across a viking who has been left behind trying to steal one of the bells from the cathedral and so or uh yeah from the cathedral so they um they they basically set upon him and flame alive the other story that i've recently read is that uh, during the reign of Harthacnut, uh, a tax collector was sent 
and that was his um that was what happened to him when he tried to uh get more taxes out of people so i don't know but either way someone of viking descent uh, got um a, a horrible end and the skin is in the archives at, in the in the Worcester library if you are coming on the rise of the Tudors, not because you particularly want to see that particularly gruesome artefact, but we will be going to see the library and the archives. So if you're coming on the rise of the Tudors tour, you will get to see these incredible archives. If not, have a look on my uh, YouTube channel because I've done a part one. Like I said, I promise there will be a part two with some of these incredible treasures in there. Um so yeah, there's a cathedral actually. The, the current cathedral was began in 1084, but there would have been a, there was a cathedral there from the seventh century. So, from being a kind of minor um, trading post, perhaps no one really knows. I don't think unless I unless it's something I've not read about that's out there during Roman times, and um, then. Um, uh, it become, but it, it grows into insignificance. It does have defences, though, and it becomes a garrison town, Worcester does. But I'll get into that a little bit um, more in a moment. But the cathedral is established very early. And um, two, by the time of, well, by the 13th century, uh, maybe into the 12th century, actually, two of its previous bishops, because the cathedral is the seat of a bishop, so Worcester Cathedral was not a um, was not a, a church of a monastery like you have with say Westminster. Um, it was the seat of the bishop already, so it was a cathedral. Anyway, so when the dissolution happened, the cathedral remains. Um, but two of its uh, Anglo-Saxon cathedral, uh, uh, excuse me, bishops Oswald and Wolfston, they were both created saints. And this explains why, and this is another thing that's in the archive, King John, in his will, asks to be buried at Worcester. He, he actually dies at Lincoln. So someone respected him because someone still sought to him being brought to Worcester and given the burial that he asked for. And he asked to be buried in between the two saints, so St. Wollstone and Oswald and um the story goes that the that his his sort of he thought that uh, St Wollstone was a uh, a big advocate for royal power um, I'm not quite sure that that is the case but anyway that's what John believed and that's why John wanted to be buried near to him now the, their shrines um were lost so um but John is still there now John uh, has a chest tomb, which mirrors very much the tomb of Arthur Tudor, who's also buried there. Arthur Tudor also has a chantry, uh, which um, I think I've covered recently. It is uh, very ornate. Um, there's a story actually about that as well. I'll come, yeah, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but, but John originally would have been buried just with... Um, uh, the effigy and it's the oldest effigy uh, lifelike effigy apparently of a king in England um and and it would have just been that that plinth 
on the floor, so at floor level. That that was the way it was done, but the chess tomb was added uh, later, I think, by the Victorians. Uh, but Arthur's Chantry, okay, so there's a couple of stories about Arthur's Chantry as well. Inside, it shows signs of a lot of damage, a lot of damage. But this is the kind of damage that we see in cathedrals from uh, either or both the Reformation during Edward VI's time and, um, and the Puritanical move movement of the 17th century, which came with the um, Civil War. In Arthur's Chantry, uh, at the there's a small altar there, it's a chantry for, built for chanting uh, and saying prayers for the for the dead, for the departed. Uh, there is uh, statues, and they are they are defaced. Literally, the faces are, are off. Um, even Jesus. Um, and so, was the damage done during Edward the Sixth time? In which case, when Elizabeth the First came to visit in fifteen seventy five. If you go and see Arthur Tudor's tomb at Worcester Cathedral, you are walking in Elizabeth's exact footsteps. The step up into Arthur's um, chantry has a fabulous dip in it from all the feet that have gone before you, and they would have included Elizabeth I. Um, so did she see that damage? Or was that damage inflicted during the 17th century when Cromwell's parliamentary forces were there? Or another uh, possibility, apparently, is that the chantry wasn't completed for uh, so that when it so when Elizabeth was coming, they decided that instead of um, uh, her seeing the chantry incomplete that they would put up a board which basically said welcome the queen something i can't remember the exact story but something 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 like that with her arms something like that and that the statues had been defaced to literally make it easier to put a board there and make it flush with the with the wall i have i have questions about that theory I don't know why it would be better to destroy an incomplete tomb than to maybe just complete it because the statues that are there are, you know, unless they, without being defaced, the rest of it, the rest of them looks quite well formed. So I don't really understand that. Um, and then when you find out that Worcester in the... Um, in the war, uh, in the uh, civil wars of the 17th century, was the first to declare for Charles I, and the final battle of uh, the civil wars was fought at Worcester as well. So it's they were sort of first in and last out, and it's from Worcester that Charles II escapes after the uh, after the the Battle of Worcester. They lose the Battle of Worcester, and. Um, and that is uh, that's a whole video that I'm going to do um, about the escape of Charles II. But it is from Worcester, so they are staunch royalists in Worcester. They were, and uh, I don't know, maybe they still are. Um, but 
it, it's really it went back to Greyfriars. Charles II would have uh, flown past there, running to to try and escape. There is a pub down the road from Greyfriars, which claims to be the place from which Charles escaped. Um, Charles II was um, well. It was Charles II. Well, it was Charles II, I suppose. Um, he uh, he um, uh, was in disguise apparently, so he had enough time to get in disguise and then and then hop it. Uh, there were so the, the anyway, so, so Worcester's got a long, long history. Um, so going back from Iron Age through through to the Romans, the Vikings, uh, uh, then um, shows this. Uh, change in fortune with the peace that came with the end of the Wars of the Roses and the dawn of the Tudor period, or at least people's confidence was there. Because not only do you have Greyfriars on Friar Street, you'd have other buildings on Friar Street as well. Um, and, um, but that, yeah, so, so, and then Worcester, the, the cavalry from Worcester is involved with a lot of wars that I don't know as much about. But in the World War Two, Worcester was one of the places where evacuees were sent. And the um, there is a, a little museum called the Tudor House Museum. It's run entirely by volunteers, so it's not open every day, but it's really, really lovely. And the, the bottom of that little, um, well, the bottom of, the, of that building, was the office by where uh, thank you coastal tradition for buying me the badge it's very very kind on instagram thank you for your support um yeah the 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 uh, the office was where the evacuees would be sent and then um assigned to to locals um i'm pretty sure they got bombed as well at some point i'm just trying to think there is a story about uh, a low level german um uh uh, bomber I think it was a bomber I'm, I'm trying to think whether it, it landed bomb, whether it dropped bombs or it um, here we go, 3rd of November 1940 a lone German bomber bombed, um, trying to oh, it was trying to bomb a factory on the Bromyard Road um, it dropped all its bombs and then opened machine gunfire on, uh, so this would have been on uh, civilians Seven people died in the attacks, 60 were injured, and eyewitnesses account report that the bomber flew just at just 300 feet or 90 metres above the ground in order to drop his bombs so you could clearly see the crew inside, and that was the only time that Worcester came under attack during, during the war. Uh, and yet this was the place that they were sending evacuees. By the way, I'm reading... Oh, sorry, I've just not my microphone. I'm reading from my... Um, I did, I did information packs about places. I did these a couple of years ago. This is actually one for educators about Worcester. Um, I don't know whether to start them up again, actually. They're, they are self-guided itineraries and information packs about places that I used to put together and put on sale, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do them again. So uh, if, if you're on the, the rise of the Tudors, you will be coming to Worcester with me anyway. We're going to go to Worcester Cathedral, we're going to see the Worcester uh, Cathedral libraries and archive. We may, and I still need to look at the timing, so I'm not promising, but we may go to a place called the Commandery. Again, if you're going yourself, 
anyway, stick this on your um, on your itinerary. It was, by the way, no one knows why it's called the commandery. And it's not, curiously, because it was the Royalist HQ for the Battle of Worcester, which is bizarre, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, so, so the, but the commandery was a monastic hospital. It's been a, a various different things. And in there, so it was dissolved. This is one thing James Clark talks about. If you've missed his interview series with me, um, take a look back through. But he talks about um, how it's not just monasteries that were dissolved during the, the suppression, during the, the whole dissolution. It was all monastic institutions. So that meant schools, hospitals. These weren't just... Um, I always used to think about the infirmaries that were inside the monasteries, but there were others that, that they were... Um, they would run or lay brothers would run and they were all suppressed as well so the monastic hospital at Worcester was closed and the the pictures of the saints then uh which had been adorning the walls were whitewashed over until I think it was in well it's definitely in the 20th century it might be the 1920s they were rediscovered and uncovered and you can still see them and they are vivid and clear and they include um jesus painting of jesus on the ceiling um thought being that if you're prostrate prostrate but lying on your back um looking up to the ceiling that maybe that's that's where your thoughts would prefer to turn to um so that's that's worcester you can also hear um james clark talk uh, i've just mentioned him there about the dissolution of the monasteries you can also hear him talk um, at this year's online history festival, which is all about the Tudors. Oh, Lottie Rose, it is amazing. They weren't destroyed and they are incredible. I have got a video somewhere um, with them on, but they really are quite stunning. When you walk in the room, it's it's a proper wow. Um, I took um, I took one of the ladies uh, there who'd been on tour with me and they were extending their stay and they were in Worcester. And I said, oh, let me come and show you some stuff around Worcester. And I took them. I took her and I purposely let her go in the room first. And um, I got the I got the I got the reaction I was hoping for when she walked in and just went, wow. I was like, yes, turn it. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite special. But yes, yeah, so you can hear uh, James Clark talk about Henry VIII and the dissolution of mon monasteries at the Tudors Online History Festival. That's taking place between the 17th and the 19th of November. It's all online, so it doesn't matter whereabouts in the world you are. And the talks, <clears throat> there's seven talks, and they will go live over the, um, over the weekend from the Friday evening to the Sunday, uh, Sunday sort of midday-ish, um, because then on this Sunday evening, we wrap up with two live events. One is a live Q&A with all of the speakers. Um, and the speakers are Tracy Borman. She's talking about Anne Boleyn and Elizabeth I. Uh, Gareth Russell, who's talking about Barnaby Fitzpatrick, the best friend of Edward VI. Uh, we have Joanne Paul talking about the House of Dudley, just the women. We have Kat Marchand talking about Shakespeare versus the Puritans um, and the impact on theatre, which is very, very interesting. We have Estelle Perron talking about Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici, the um, 
the the, the search for a mother-daughter relationship. Um, we have James talking about Henry VIII and the Decision Monasteries, and we have Illyri Lynn talking about the Tudor fashion, how the Tudors used their fashion to um, to sort of show power uh, and status. So all recorded especially for this online history festival. So you won't see these talks anywhere else and you won't get a chance to ask your own questions in a live Q&A with all seven of those speakers at any other um at any other event as well. So that live event will take place on the on Sunday the 19th of November. And don't worry if you can't make it live, it will be recorded and you will be able to see it. But if you have a question for anyone, you can submit it beforehand and it will be asked on your behalf because we've done our best to try and get the timings so that wherever you are in the world, you are um, able to, to join. But I understand that that's not completely possible. Um, so we have um, uh, so we have that live Q and A followed by a fun closing quiz. So you can you can come and test yourself. You can grab. It'll be a Sunday, so you can have a wine. I think probably whatever time of the day it is, you can say you're having it for dinner. Uh, grab a wine and come and have a go at the quiz and see what you've learnt from the talks or. Just have a go anyway, even if you haven't managed to catch all the talks. And all the talks will be available to you anyway until the end of January. But the tickets are only on sale and during uh, and up to the closing of the event. So you can get your tickets at Eventbrite. It's the, the Tudors2023.eventbrite.co.uk. So the Tudors2023.eventbrite co.uk if you are a patreon go to patreon and follow the link from there because you get 10 percent off your ticket price um so that will save you a few pounds and um yeah and uh it's gonna be a fun event this will be our third online history festival um they're always very popular and um i'm really looking forward to this one we're doing the tudors and the next one well, I'll announce what the next one's going to be pretty soon once we've got the speakers lined up. That will be um, in the spring. So if you want more of me, you've had an hour. You probably don't. But if you do, I'm diluted or enhanced tonight, enhanced by the other girls that I'll be with on History After Dark, 8.15 uh, GMT. Uh, we are talking tonight. We're getting to, we've got to W in our deceased git series. So W is William the Conqueror. Oh, anyway, there's other names that he's known by. So we'll be talking about William the Conqueror tonight on History After Dark. So if you would like some more live stuff, then tonight you can join me and Dr. Kat, Catherine Brooks. On History After Dark, we are history.after.dark on Instagram and just History After Dark on YouTube. Otherwise, I will see you live again, same time. Yeah, it's going to be pretty random. You wait till you see how we've managed to come up with a come up with someone for X. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, um, oh, Melissa, your day. Sorry, go back. Just watch 
uh, watch again, but hopefully you can join us tonight. Um, if you, um, yeah, if you're around next Wednesday, I will be here again the same time. You will find out where I'm going tomorrow and Friday. Some more exciting places. I don't know if I'm going anywhere else in between now and then. Now and next Wednesday, there'll be enough. There'll be enough. Right. Have a great day, everybody. Hopefully I'll see you tonight um, or next week. All right. See you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.